0: Who is the most underrated actor of all time? It's Dolph Lundgren. Correct. Why? Well, because of his uh, spiky hair, his ice-cold demeanor, and his big muscles. Absolutely. I must break you.
1: The guilty will be punished. My name is Sergeant... Andrew Scott Come on guys, don't do this If I don't get breakfast, I get real grumpy I don't think you like me grumpy And you go in pieces, (gasps) asshole Let's kick some ass
0: Hello and welcome back to I must break this podcast, the fan podcast looking at the cinematic career of action legend Dolph Lundgren. On today's episode, we're getting in the festive Christmas spirit and discussing one of Dolph's more recent efforts, Pups Alone. In this family-friendly Christmas comedy, Dolph plays Victor Von Manure. Yes, you heard that name right. Uh, An inventor uh, working for a pet supply conglomerate who hires two bumbling thieves to steal his neighbor's new high-tech invention just before the holidays. Yet Victor and the thieves get much more than they bargained for when they discover that the neighborhood dogs have banded together to protect their homes. Well, here we are. What do you think? It has potential. Yeah. What do you think, Charlie?
1: This is going to be one rough Christmas. Better step in line, mutt pups that don't don't last very long around here
0: you must be robert i'm holly
1: looks like our neighbors are getting cozy too cozy do you think she's married you should ask her out i'm victor the engineer pet tech assigned to a big secret project how about you and i give the old man a hat let's get this inside what do we have here? Uh, oh, it's uh, <laughs> it's just a prototype and not a very
0: good one. Hopefully, when it's all done, it will decipher a dog's thoughts into words.
1: The canine
0: translator. That's brilliant. Precisely. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
1: Don't get too settled. We have vacation to think about. Vacation? Big Bear Ski Lodge. Yearly company shindig. Everyone's going.
0: Why are you dressed like Santa Claus? Huh? Can't afford to look stupid. Uh, Need all of his research to check everywhere. Toilets? Everywhere! Let's get the prototype first, and then we hit the rest of these godforsaken houses. Oh no. Hefe, Hefe, (laughs) Hefe! Bad guys are coming tonight! I have a plan that can help everyone, but we need to work together and put our differences aside. (laughs) Oh, fuck!
1: See Job with Jenna, she's incredible. She is. She's everything to me. You guys are the worst bad guys ever. Is that all you got, pup? I'm
0: your host, Sean, and joining me to chat this one today is Katie gylan Kirkin, one of the hosts of the One More Round podcast. Katie, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I, I, I know like a Dolph movie.
0: Well, especially this one. I, I I think I think if I remember right, how it came around. Um, you came to me and you said, "Hey, have you heard of this movie Pups Alone?" Because I really, really want to <laughs> chat about it. And I said, "Oh, okay, fine. I, I, I guess I." I that, that's basically how it went down, right?
1: Absolutely. One of my favorite movie genres is cheesy kids movies. <laughs> um, that's if nobody can. Uh, spot the sarcasm there. <laughs> I am actually childless, so I'm not a fan of the of the kid movie, generally speaking. But Dolph Christmas Dogs. I mean, it, you know, what could go wrong?
0: Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, and actually, before we um, start talking about the film, um, I wanted to know a little bit about your show because, okay, so you're on the One More Round podcast. You're, I think it's safe to say, you're a pretty big. Sylvester Stallone fan especially Rocky and Rambo is that right
1: yes I I think you guessed correctly um by the name of my dogs is one of the the big giveaways there I have um two dogs and they are named Rambo and Balboa um so if that gives you any inclination of how big of a Stallone fan I am
0: well, and I mean, and that was actually one of the reasons, Katie, when when we got in contact. Um, I know we kind of kicked around a number of uh, doll films because I'm kind of I'm in that recent period or so within the past 10 years. And, um, you know, there's quite a few films that, that we have to cover. Um, some are better than others, I, I will admit. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we, we kicked around some ideas of films. And I know that you had mentioned that you were a really big dog person. So I kind of thought, wait a minute here. Okay, Dolph did this movie, Pups Alone. It's a Christmas movie. We're approaching the holidays. I wonder if Katie might be willing to uh, to discuss this one. And um, you graciously jumped on board with it. Was it, I mean, is it safe to say, was it the fact that it was, okay, not only Ivan Drago, but in a movie with a bunch of cute mutts? Was that kind of what, why you agreed to this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would watch, Dolph Lundgren movies, even if there wasn't dogs, but that was definitely a help. And you're right because it was, we're approaching Christmas time. And then, um, I had looked it up and I also thought, I mean, there's a pretty stellar cast actually in this movie,
0: um,
1: including Danny. I'm a big fan of Danny Trejo and he voices the bulldog. So I thought, I mean, it has to be pretty decent at least. So yeah, that's, I was on board. Well and actually
0: I'm um, okay so you mentioned Stallone obviously but I'm curious what about Dolph Lundgren I always like to ask all the guests okay where I mean we, we all know where he he ranks for me in my pantheon of action heroes but um where where does he rank for you I, I'm curious what uh, what films of his have you seen and uh uh I mean how, how does he compare to Mr. Stallone and Van Damme and all those guys for you
1: That's an interesting question and my answer might be a little surprising considering that i'm on a show that is a part of the the last of the action heroes podcast network i'm actually not a huge action movie person but i very much like some of the men that are in them <laughs> um you know i'm i'm a woman and uh i first fell in love with dolph obviously in rocky 4 um, I just remember being a child watching that, um, like on a VHS recorded from TV version probably and thinking, I don't think I'm supposed to like this Russian guy, but I do. I mean, me as like a five-year-old watching this. And, um, so then I, I've always kind of liked him and I knew that he was in, you know, I don't know what you would call it. Um, be level celebrity. I'm not really sure, but he's, he's not like, yeah. yeah. So I would (laughs) say like, you know, Arnold and Sly, you know, maybe a few others are kind of at that top level. And then there's like the Jean Claude's and then Dolph is just maybe like a touch below that. Um, so I'm a fan of Jean Claude. I'm a fan of Dolph. I'm a fan of Stallone. Um, I just like, I think that they're interesting to look at. And back in the day, it was an art form. Like you really, like they used their bodies as art forms um, before there was CGI to, you know, paint on muscles, so to speak. Um, so I, I'm i impressed by it, the level of commitment and dedication um, with those action stars. And then the more I got to know, particularly Dolph and... Stallone they're very intelligent people which is surprising to those who might it's probably surprising to a lot of people that aren't like that don't know a lot about them so i have more respect for them um just knowing um that there's something behind the muscles you know there's a ton that i love about you know Sylvester Stallone i could go on and on and on but you know with Dolph Lundgren then um then really seeing him in Creed two, I was just blown away. I thought that that movie should have been called the Drago's. Yeah. So it's just further cemented him in my memory. How about you? How did you become a Dolph fan of, of all of the selections that you could have?
0: Yeah. You know, well, I mean, I've, I've talked about this on, on the show. Um, a couple of times, actually not that often, but I mean, you brought up a, a couple of interesting points that uh, I want to get to before we um, really dive into the film. But no, you're exactly right. I've said this on the show before, but, you know, back in the day, I, I realize I sound like a boomer saying that. Uh, I know,
1: me too. <laughs> I'm not, I promise.
0: <laughs> no, no. But, you know, what's interesting is, yeah, you're exactly right. Before Marvel, okay, and Disney took over the box office as we know it, these were our um, our superheroes. Okay, Dolph and Arnold and Van Dam and Stallone. I mean, these were these guys. Um, I think it was uh, it was on a previous episode a number of years ago. But one of my guests referred to them as rarefied beings. Okay, I mean, these were our our mm-hmm. superheroes. And it's just kind of interesting how when the superheroes finally came in and started getting their own films, it was pushing it was it, w- it was pushing these guys. Okay, who actually had the physiques and not the uh, padded costumes and whatnot, mm-hmm. kind of um pushed them out. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, you're exactly right. And I'm right there with you. I think, I mean, obviously I am a little, uh, biased toward, um, you know, considering the nature of the show, obviously, but, um, Mm -hmm. you know, my favorite Rocky film of, of all of them was easily Rocky four. And a lot of that was because of, uh, of Dolph's portrayal as Drago. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I, I don't know about you, but I know there's been talk. There's been um, some rumors. I am really, really hoping for a Drago spinoff movie. Or I've also Wouldn't heard rumors.
1: Be...
0: Oh, and I think everybody wants it. I know there's kind of uh-huh. some bad blood right now between uh, between the, the owners of Rocky and Stallone. And a lot of people are thinking, well, Dolph shouldn't do it if if Stallone isn't supportive of it. But I'm thinking to myself, like come on, this is a really, that could be a really fantastic opportunity for Mr. Lundgren. And he's not getting any younger. Let's be honest, he's not getting any younger. So I I feel like Stallone is at a point in his career where he's doing just fine. And I know that Dolph is probably doing just fine as well. But I mean, this could really, really open some more doors for Mr. Lundgren, I think. So hopefully they're able to kind of figure that out and get the ball rolling on that.
1: I couldn't agree more. I I mean, I think that people, like you said, people are eager for it, especially you know, it's like kind of like strike while the iron is hot, so to speak, a little bit. And yeah, he is not getting any younger, is he?
0: No, no. Well, if we if we look at this particular film, um, I mean, yeah, this is we can call this our Christmas episode. So congratulations, <laughs> Katie, you're on the the first uh, <laughs> the first ever Christmas episode of the show. I don't know if you're wearing a Christmas sweater or uh, kicking back some eggnog or not. I but, have um... red
1: on. Does that count? <laughs>
0: So, yeah, no, that counts perfectly. Well, I mean, if we look at this particular film, um, I'll give you a little bit of background on it. Um, To be honest, I didn't even think, when when I first started the show up, I didn't even think that uh, I would be covering this film. Um, To be perfectly honest, I really didn't even think it was going to see uh, the light of day, okay? Um, I think I kind of directed you to this before um, we started chatting, but um, this movie was actually filmed in 2017. And it was one of those films that I remember when it was being filmed, I was kind of in disbelief, like, what? Like, Adolph is really doing this? Okay. Because it just looks and feels like one of those Hallmark Channel Christmas movies. You know what I mean? It has that, it has Mm -hmm. that same kind of uh, cheap, um, direct-to-video quality and texture about it, and so I was thinking. Okay, in my mind, I was thinking. Well, eventually, we're going to see it dumped on Hallmark. Um, years went around. It was not okay. It was. It was still kind of sitting there in post-production. I was able to speak with the director of this film, Alex Merkin, um, actually a couple of times. Uh, he directed one film with uh, with Lundgren called Altitude, and then obviously this film. And I spoke to him a couple of times to the podcast, and it was like, "Dude, you filmed this movie in 2017." It's not out yet. It finally did get released last year in November, 2021. And I asked him what was, uh, you know, what was the holdup for it? And his response in, in so many, in so many, uh, you know, there were a number of reasons, but one of the things he said is that they were, they they had spent all this time trying to line up the voice casts for, um, Mm. for all of the dogs in the movie. Um, And that could very well be true. However, I, I don't know about you, but I think it's also clear that they didn't know how to edit this movie together and make a coherent product. There are at least three different storylines going on in this movie. This film is crazy.
1: I mean, it's sort of like that um, that game or that activity. It's like um, playing telephone, but with the script. It's like let's everybody start, or I'm going to start with my notebook, write a piece of the story, pass it along to the next person. They're going to write a piece of the story, and it's it was it very much is a discombobulated series of scenes. And it was really long.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're no, you're exactly right. This film. I mean, when you look at it at the conceit that the general conceit, it's basically home alone. but with, but with dogs. Okay. Oh, the hilarity, I think we can say, (laughs) Um, but this should easily be an 85 minute movie in and out. And this film is an hour and 47 minutes. They could have easily cut Twenty minutes from this film, but there are scenes. I was—I wrote a few of these down. I don't know if you noticed them or not, but there are so many scenes in this film that just go on and on and yeah. on. You can—you can, you can mm-hmm. feel that the, the actors were all improvising, and maybe Alex Merkin wasn't yelling "cut," but I mean, it is just—it's—it's it's kind of excruciating in some parts.
1: Yeah, I felt that way in a, in several places as well. Um, I probably couldn't name the scene. But, I mean, most of them really and it's like they tried to fit way too many you know of your standard movie Christmas movie storylines or just movies it's like the dead mom raising the kid the dad's raising the kid alone you know getting getting um getting the you know single neighbor lady together with the dad and then their respective dogs are together again too and um you know <laughs> and like then the you have mail, a company Oh, oh yeah, I forgot about the the yeah. So and then there's the mailman trope with dogs, the estranged grandpa. What did that have to do with literally anything? Um, and then reuniting a lost dog and its owner, and the happy ever after Christmas. It was just like, wow, there that's a lot of themes.
0: That that is movie. a lot. No, yeah, that, that you're exactly right. I mean, you, you said a lot there. That is so much to put into a what is essentially a Hallmark Christmas movie. I mean, man, yeah. I, I actually wrote these down. I'm glad that you brought them up, but I mean, let's just, I mean, we're, we're kind of going all over the place here, but I mean, look, there are so many pointless scenes that just go on and on and on. We're going to get into Dolph here in a minute. Cause obviously I'm a little biased about, about him, but I think <laughs> he is, yeah. he is without a doubt the best part about this movie. W- would you agree?
1: I, well, you know, at first I was like, Oh, I don't know. I didn't. I, yes. He, he, I would say Danny Trejo also, just cause okay. I'm a little biased. I do love Danny Trejo and his voice is Vinny. But again, it's a typical trope of, you know, the dogs being very stereotypical, like the voices that matches the breed you know like the the basset hound was like a slow speaking old southern person and you know what i mean like the bulldog is danny trejo and the chihuahua you know rob schneider um is the chihuahua like using sort of like a cholo voice you know It's, it's just very typical stereotypes i guess
0: dog father you really call yourself that i don't they do meet my crew keywood my crew. That's two words.
1: Jose, Bernard, Dozer, Tiny, and right there, my number one dang gidget. You you. Keep your paws off her. Hola, pero is you a city map? Not anymore, apparently. These are our crew, amigo. Dog fellas. <laughs> <coughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, lo siento. Sorry, Gage. Uh, I apologize. I mean, t- not the dog fellas. Dog people. Uh, dog friends. Jose. Do you like Christmas time, city mat? Of course you do. Tell me you do. Enough. No more Christmas talk. Okay, okay. Yeah, Oh, sorry. I want to make a mistake again. Thank you for correcting me. I apologize with all my heart. Play hey, everyone home. Now. Adios, amigo. But we will meet again. Anytime food gets thrown out of a restaurant on a Tuesday, I'll be there. Uh. Okay, sure. Anytime time. A half-eaten hamburger gets thrown out the station wagon window. I will meet you there. Yeah. We'll Hopefully, after I finished the hamburger, and you have to lick the wrapper. Um. Okay. Enough. Adiós, amigo. By the way, the dog father goes where the dog father goes. Casa es me, casa. Capiche? See you around. Apologies. What Vinny P says usually goes. He's okay sometimes, but not really.
0: Yeah, he seems a
1: little. I smell chili. Southern bean chili.
0: Sheesh, this is going to be one rough Christmas. Well, yeah, I mean, okay, so, I mean, before we get to the dogs, I mean, I just want to say there are so many scenes that just go on and on and on, and you're, like, you're you're just wondering, like, wow, they, this thing sat in, in post-production for over four years, and they they decided to keep this in. So, I mean, you just said it, the main character of the film, Robert, who we'll be getting to here in a minute, he is the estranged grandfather of the family. And we see Charlie, the dog trying to write him letters, but they never get sent. Why this estranged grandfather element is in the film. I guess, like you said, it's a trope of other holiday movies. So they decided to put that in as well. There's another scene where the two bumbling thieves are robbing an old blind woman. that scene goes on forever. And then, yeah, you said the mailman, like, I understand like, okay, I get what they're doing here. Okay. Okay. Mailmen are afraid of dogs. I get it. But there are so many scenes of the rookie mailman who's trying to avoid the dogs. And I guess we're, I guess the writers of this think that we are supposed to laugh that he is wrapping himself up in bubble wrap, trying to deliver a package. It's, it gets to a point where it's kind of like, what are we doing here? Yeah. (laughs)
1: You know I mean? Yeah, I know. Well, so I I was going to ask you how old your kids are and what they thought of it, because I did think I was like, well, maybe this is like a cute thing for kids and like elderly people. Like, you know, that's sort of a type of comedy and movie that they would think is hilarious. I don't know. But what did your kids yeah. think?
0: Well, that was actually going to be my recommendation at the end. My, my kids got bored.
1: Really? Kids- <laughs> how old are they? Got- how old are your kids?
0: Uh, eight and six. Okay, actually, actually going to be nine here as of this recording, going to be nine and seven here in a month. And they got bored with it. And I think what it what it comes down to, to be perfectly honest is, I mean, look, this film is working with a low budget, so we can't knock it entirely. But it just gets, it gets really, really old, pretty much watching dogs stare at each other while silly voices are in the background narrating. Now, obviously, this film did not have the budget, nor did it really want to uh, employ some CGI to kind of make their mouths move. I get it. But after a while, there's only so much you can do with that where you lose where you lose interest. Now the, the, the animals in this movie were, were trained wonderfully, you know, whoever, whatever dog wranglers were on set, you know, working with these animals. I can only imagine the the trials of that. And I remember when I spoke to Alex Merkin, he admitted, you know, he, he was once told, what was it? He told me when I spoke to him, uh, working with kids and dogs are some of the most difficult things to do. And here it is in this film, he's working with them both. Having said that though, you know, I mean, having said that it's just, I mean, did you feel that way at all? I mean, like I said, my kids got extremely, they tuned out after 25 minutes. Because like I said, there's only so much you can do with dogs just kind of moving their head around, up and down, looking at each other, you know, with, with a silly voice in the background, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was purposefully watching it because I knew I was going to be discussing it. So my- I'm my,
0: sorry, my, I'm you know, sorry. No, no, no,
1: that's it. <laughs> Please, it wasn't that bad. I will say, um, because, uh, my expectations were so low that I was like, Oh, it wasn't that bad. I mean, yeah, they could have cut. Now I will say a lot of times when I hear podcasts and they complain about the movie being long or something like that, I want to say on the record, I do not have a problem with movies that are long and I guess long is relative, but two plus hours or, even, you know, that's fine. If the story warrants it. And if, you know, if it keeps your attention, but this, like you, you did say, I mean, it's almost like it sat there for so long and then they're like, we just have to release it and screw editing it at all. I mean, they Mm -hmm. just kind of, they, they could have cut so much and it would have been, uh, I think it maybe would have played a little bit better. And I'm also very curious. You had mentioned the low budget. I don't know how low or what that entails, because there are a lot of famous people in this movie. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and it's like to do a movie like that, in my mind, it's like, well, they all needed a paycheck, but it sounds like they couldn't have even been paid very much. If the budget was really low, you know, how does that work?
0: Yeah. And this surprisingly, I was actually going to play a couple of the clips um, throughout our conversation, but um, this actually last year, got surprisingly a theatrical premiere. Now it did premiere on a video on demand and on DVD, but it did get a premiere where many of the, uh, many of the past, uh, uh did show up, uh, you know, on a small little red carpet event. And so it's just kind of like wild, like, wow, Saban entertainment. That's one of the distributors who ended up picking this up. They apparently saw value in this and enough to warrant a, hmm. a small red carpet premiere, which I find fascinating to it. Wow.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm actually really shocked to hear that. Um, and that a bunch of the stars cast whatnot showed up, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I don't want to like go out of order, but, but so some of the cast include um, yet. Yeah, so, the so the main character, Tyler is like an unknown, but then we mm-hmm. have, I mean, Eric Roberts is one of the humans in addition to uh, Dolph Lundgren, Uh, Malcolm McDowell, Um, Keith David. I was it was like that made me smile at um, showing up as the bartender. Um, And then the voice actors, you know, Jerry O'Connell plays the main dog, Charlie, Mm -hmm. Jennifer Love Hewitt, who's, you know, basically she's like Hallmark royalty. I believe I don't actually enjoy Hallmark movies. (laughs) <laughs> but um that seems like her cup of tea danny trejo rob schneider uh and then um i did you recognize um the two bumbling idiots were almost like identical it was like they tried to recreate joe pesci and daniel stern's characters from home alone oh yeah like they oh, yeah. they were didn't you think that they were mimicking them so like almost like word for word, not word for word, but Nicholas Totoro, who played Benny did. I mean, he is like, he was purposefully trying to be Joe Pesci. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. And actually I, I I had some thoughts that I wanted to get to regarding the, um, regarding, I guess if you want to call it the final assault at the end, where, where the dogs Mm -hmm. get revenge on these Mm -hmm. guys, I I wanted to get your, um, opinions on that, but okay. Before we get to there, I mean, look, we we already kind of talked about it. Um, this particular film, yeah, it has so many different plot threads, okay, going throughout it that uh, I, I wrote some of these down so just we can keep track of them. Okay, you have a, uh, a widowed father, okay, his daughter and their dog Charlie uh, move towns and try to get reacclimated to their new neighborhood. Um, the dad, his name is Robert. He's played by uh, Tyler Hollinger, I, I think is how you say his name. Um, he is this inventor for a pet company called Pet Tech. And apparently, uh, this is this is interesting to me, mm-hmm. apparently Pet Tech <laughs> has, they have all of their employees live in like this neighborhood compound. I, I don't know if some companies do that, but okay, that sounds, that's, that's, that's interesting, I guess. Um, I thought that
1: was interesting as well.
0: Yeah, so... OK, um, we also have the other the other storyline, um, two of his neighbors and colleagues. We have the attractive Holly, who Robert's daughter is immediately eager to set her dad up with almost awkwardly. So, I think. And then we have um, Dolph Lundgren's character, Victor. OK, so he's our main antagonist. He is a conniving employee of PetTech, tech who's I, I guess what he's been with the company for over a decade and he's been trying to move up the corporate ladder. And then he sees that Robert's latest invention is a uh, is a canine translator, um, which is basically just the device from the movie Up. I thought that was uh, <laughs> that was pretty funny. Oh. Um, which Victor immediately yeah. wants for himself.
1: Well, and to, just while we're on this neighborhood and and Victor finding out about that invention, apparently the house that uh Robert and his daughter Jenna move into with their dog Charlie that is across the street from Victor's. Apparently Victor used to live there and right. the company, Pet Tech, like kicked him out to across the street for someone else to move into. I just thought that was really unnecessary too. Like the houses are almost identical. It's not like one of them is better than the other. It was it was silly. Or I don't know. I just thought that was again something that could have been cut. Did you what, oh, you, yeah. what was your take on that?
0: that that was my next point which was it, it was amazing to me so this this is what here's one of the multiple issues I have with this film um, are, are pretty much the opening 20 minutes okay the opening 20 <laughs> minutes are so crazy okay so for one the film oddly starts with Robert and his daughter in their old home okay now we've seen these type of tropes before you already mentioned it okay the widowed father who's moving with his with his with his kid, we will say to a uh, to a no home, new home. Okay, any other movie, any other film would have started with them either a in the moving truck on their way to the new destination, or it, the the film would start with them, you know, unpacking the moving truck and moving into their into their new home. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean we've seen this before, and so it's just so odd that it spends all this time in their old home for them to just suddenly. Get in this moving truck and then move. Okay, so that's time right there. And also, what the film does is it uses these um, these animated comic strip sequences to kind of help progress the narrative. Now, I'm an amateur illustrator myself, I'll admit. You know, so oh. on one hand, yeah, not not anything amazing, but on one hand, I will say, okay, they look a little kind of cool. I mean, they do in a weird kind of way. They do kind of add a little bit of production value to the film. To where you look at them and you're thinking, okay, that's kind of nice. But on the other hand, I mean, you just said it. So much exposition and information is provided oh. through these still cartoon frames where I had to, I was like, what, what is happening? So in one of these stories, you just said it, is we find out, um, first of all, we find out that Robert's a widow. Okay, that I can go with that. But then it later goes on to show us background on Victor and some crazy incident that occurred with the CEO and an exploding toilet. It's like, and, and this is all done through these comic strip sequences here to the point. And again, you're barely 25 minutes into the film. Yeah. And it, it's, you're, you're wondering what, what, what is this?
1: Yeah. There's a, that. Yeah. It's, I noticed the exact same thing. It was a very, it's like, and they even showed via this narrator and these illustration book illustrations that were told were shown and told about how there were these two inventors. It's like Robert and his wife, they even show the wife and then she gets sick and die. I mean, it's like, why do we have to go into all of these? It was just way too much. Cause at first I was like, Oh, this is cute. This is, this is, this will be decent. I mean, it was kind of a nice way of, uh, you know, transitioning, but it, there was too much. It was like, they, if you have to explain the whole movie via this, then there's something wrong. I think. <laughs>
0: yeah let's talk real quick I mean uh, um, about Dolph's character, Victor. Okay now I'm not even really going to go into his name. I, I think I mean Victor von Manuer. Okay, <laughs> Whatever. but okay, so yeah, he, he's, the, yeah. he's the main antagonist. He's the one who um, is extremely jealous of Robert and his inventions. He's the one who hires the two bumbling thieves to uh, to, to break into the home and, and steal these inventions and everything. I will say right now, in my opinion. I think that Dolph is easily the best thing about this movie. I have never. Okay. I I know I've been doing the podcast for a while. (laughs) Um, I've seen all of his movies, many of them multiple times. I have never seen Dolph act at this level. I mean, yeah, you can say universal soldier when he was Andrew Scott, he was, he was insane, but here it's okay. First of all, you can tell he's having fun, but he is, it's almost like he's channeling his inner Nicholas cage he is out of control <laughs> in this movie.
1: Yeah, it's cartoonish. I, I agree that I'm real I was so glad to see that he didn't just phone it in. No. I will say um there were a few things that they they pointed when we first meet his character. It's you know, they really tried to play up that he is this like big hulking man and is so strong with the moving boxes and shaking hands. But it seemed odd to me because he wasn't that, like, um, he wasn't really built like he is in a lot of other movies. Yeah, He was just yeah. sort of like, I mean, he's a tall man, but he was just sort of like a, you know, I don't know. They made, they I thought that was kind of strange because he wasn't that, like, built and like we normally see Dolph. He looked more like a normal, like, cool, like, oh, wow, look at the neighbor. I mean, he's very unique looking. Yeah. Dolph
0: will turn he's he's not like he's Dwayne One Johnson. I mean right, I mean, yeah.
1: yeah, 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 I wasn't explaining it very well, um, and ordinarily, one of my favorite things about um Dolph Lundgren Longren is his hair, not necessarily in Rocky four, but like he has great hair, and I was like, there's something a little off. I just remember when we first meet him, I'm like, he doesn't, yeah, I don't know if this was around that like his body didn't seem like it normally is, and i I don't know when he got his hip surgery if. It was around this time, or or not, but I, that was one thing I noticed. But I, you know, they always have him in interesting outfits, yep. and then his hair seemed—I was like, what's with his hair? It was like curly on the top. It's perm. And only later, I about died because I couldn't. There's a scene later in the movie. This is the one thing I actually like laughed at, like out loud. There's a scene later when they're at the ski lodge and he's in his room again, in like a coordinated like. Um, like sweatsuit. And he literally has those old timey curlers in his hair. And I was like, that's why his hair looks weird. Oh, I literally laughed out loud. What did you think of the, his hair? Like, well, again, that was weird. Like, yeah. Character choice, but it, it was a funny moment to me. Like one of the only like truly funny moments. Well, It
0: almost feels like it's maybe for like a different movie. I mean, you can tell that they're trying to do yeah. so much with this character. Here, Okay. I mean, there's, there's a scene where he's polishing mm-hmm. his, his trophy or whatever. And apparently he's yeah. also a, a, a talented painter. Okay. You know what I mean? So there's these little touches like that. He's wearing a sweater that has deer pooping on it for whatever reason. I don't know if you picked up on that little touch. I mean, so it's, I didn't,
1: I just thought it was the, like a Christmas sweater that, but yeah, it's they, everything in this movie is crammed in. Yeah, Like literally every aspect about this movie seems like they crammed too much in.
0: Well, and so this all shifts to the two distinct narratives of the film, I think we can say, Mm. okay, so I I think we can kind of classify these into story one and story two. Story one is where all the pet tech employees are off on a company retreat at a, uh, I guess it's like a ski resort lodge. Okay, and then story two, we have the subplot about the dogs. Okay, all of these animals are at home alone. Okay, and Charlie is getting acclimated to his new surroundings as well as the group of neighborhood dogs. Now, I, I wanted to look at story one real quick here. Okay, because the film is called Pups Alone, so we'll get to the animals here in a minute. But I wanted to ask you about story thread number one. Now, you're in the uh, you're in the corporate world. Okay, I'm wondering how often do the These type of retreats happen, especially at like a ski resort lodge. And I guess my follow up question is: Robert brings his kid with him, so is that is that doable as well?
1: So that's a good point. Now there are these types of retreats do exist. um, You know, the whole company, especially um, companies where there's employees from kind of all over, not necessarily the because which is a departure from this movie where they are all neighbors. Anyway, they see each other all day at home at work. And now they're going to go on this retreat together over. So what would never happen. So there are retreats that would be at a ski resort or, you (laughs) know, a beach resort or something like that, where everybody gets together once a year to either celebrate successes or or whatnot. It would never be for Christmas on Christmas. (laughs) And yeah, it would not be a, it would maybe be, Ah, uh, bring your spouse, but it would not. I mean, it wouldn't be like bring your whole family. So, especially yeah, the I, scene where they're all. Yeah, sorry. I mean, especially the scene. No, that's that's it. All eating dinner.
0: I was going to get to that in a minute, mm-hmm. but they're all eating dinner, and the little girl is sitting there with them. And and that's that that's my thing that I I had I had I struggled with, and I know I mean <laughs> look this is this is a dopey a, a, a dopey movie, okay? That went so I mean I shouldn't be looking at it this much, but I don't know about you, but. It was such a crazy juxtaposition that you have these two settings, you have everybody off at the ski lodge and then it would intermittently go back home where these all these animals are at home alone and their adventures with one another. These two um settings, I guess, if if you will, did not make sense to me really at all. They they didn't they didn't gel with one another like like I think they should.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know how I mean, there has to be some reason to get the, you know, adult humans or the humans out of the neighborhood. And then all the dogs can have their their home alone moment, so to speak. But even the home alone moments, it was – it's basically just Charlie. Like, the other dogs are just kind of around from time to time. And I kept wondering, like, are they going to come help? I mean – and when is the bulldog? Because um, one of the things that we learn early on is that the bulldog is a bully, um, and there's an opportunity for him to kind of reingratiate himself, um, you know, to the dogs in the neighborhood, et cetera. And he he sort of we do get that towards the end, but I just the whole all of the pranks uh, are. They just like, they go on forever and ever. Yeah. And it's basically just Charlie doing them. And every now and again, you'll see some of the other dogs doing something, but I, I just didn't think that the, all the other dogs were really doing that much or did I miss it?
0: No, I mean, well, I, look, I, I said that I would um get to the final assault and I mean, that's an excellent segue. So I wanted to get your take on that real quick. Okay. Um, First of all, like we said, the dogs are all speaking with one another. So that, that this is where our voice cast comes in that you already mentioned earlier. Yet, like we talked about, it doesn't have the budget to kind of do the CGI to uh, have some moving dog mouths. So instead, the dogs are just kind of staring at each other as the dubbing mm-hmm. steps in to kind of progress these conversations. But where it, it gets interesting is, okay, so Benny and Lenny break into this house, okay, and the dogs all band together to uh, to fend them off. Using all of Robert's inventions. So, again, it's pretty much Home Alone with dogs, but that conceit, those events really only take up about maybe 15 minutes of the movie. And so the traps, like you said, go on way too long. I mean, the traps are basically, if we just break them down, um, at least the ones that I remember, we have a flatulent dog. Okay, that joke goes on way, goes on forever. <laughs> we have a misplaced bowling ball. We have a Machine that saran wraps one of the thieves. Why this thief doesn't just step off of the rotating pedestal and just keeps standing there as as he's getting tied up is is amazing to me. Um, but so okay,
1: yeah. <laughs> Let me get you. To, I mean, like, it, it was like the, yeah. Benny and Lenny had to try really hard to be the butt of these jokes. Meaning, it's like, almost
0: like they're purposely stepping into the trap. Yeah, you know, and so. Yes. I wanted to get your date because I did watch, it's interesting, it's kind of coincidental how this came about, but I did watch the original Home Alone with my kids again a couple of weeks ago. And with those films, I mean, yes, they're ridiculous, we can say it. They're also, you know, mm-hmm. 30 years old. But what's, what's interesting about them is, okay, those burglars you do care about to an extent, and those traps in a really weird way kind of all make sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, you kind of have to. It, it takes a bit of a leap of logic, okay? But they do kind of make sense. So I wanted to get your take. Why is it that a film like... and I guess, mm-hmm. okay, it's not, it's not fair to compare a a film that was written by John Hughes with a film yeah. that was directed by Alex Merkin. But I'm curious, why is it that it works in a film like Home Alone, and for this particular film, which is pretty much using the exact same setup and everything, only instead of a um, rambunctious, precocious kid, we have rambun crochets um, why do you think that works in something like home alone and here you keep checking the clock you keep put, pressing the pause but figuring out how much time
1: is left Wow uh very good question I hadn't really thought to be honest um like what to how to pinpoint it it's really I, I guess just the quality of the pranks or um this it's a combination it's just every it's everything i i don't know it's the story it's the writing it's the directing it's the um you know we we don't care we know it's coming we don't really care we're not curious to see what the next thing is um yeah i think it's just a quality issue all around what what do you think
0: i I agree i think i think it's a quality issue i think i mean because you could argue and you could say well no Pups alone does spend um, the necessary amount of time introducing the two burglars like home alone did. But I don't know. I I almost kind of wonder if it's because with home alone, you have so much time being spent with, uh, with Macaulay Culkin, right? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So you kind of get attached Mm -hmm. to that character to where, when he is setting up the traps, you're um, you're engaged and you're with it and you're invested as opposed to this film You know, all this time is spent at the lodge. And then when it comes back to the dogs, you forget about those characters. You know what I mean? And then it it bounces back and forth. I mean, I think that could be one reason. I I don't know.
1: Yeah, I'm, gosh, I really wish I um, had a better answer for that. But it's just like everything is just lesser. Um, Despite the, I mean, I think the casting is pretty good. I think everybody does a, a. an adequate job, an adequate or better job. Um, yeah. It's just not set up. Well, it's budget everything. Now I did. I'm so glad that you brought up the gadgets, the inventor um, <laughs> portion of it. Now, was there a movie immediately when I saw all of that, them setting up and showing all of his inventions and stuff, there was a movie from, we're probably similar in age. Was there, um, a movie from our childhood that you like hearkened back to. I'm curious if we have the same, did you think of anything? I immediately thought of one. Well, I mean,
0: you could argue and you could say some of those gadgets are similar to, uh, to what data concocted in the Goonies. I guess only, yeah, his, oh, his word, he was more one. like a James Bond. Yeah. Where he had them all kind of on. His that's body a good one. Kidney. I hadn't
1: thought of that.
0: Yeah. No. What were you thinking of?
1: Um, I, I was thinking honey I shrunk the kids. Honey I Do you shrunk the kids. Remember those kid. movies?
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah the, the, the like With, the um
1: uh, Rick the Moranis breakfast. and
0: yeah and uh, I, I remember yeah if I remember correctly in the opening scenes it was like his his, his the dog's uh, method of getting his breakfast and everything. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah,
1: it was just all of his inventions and yeah, so I and then, you know, thinking through all of the other them jamming a bunch of themes in I, I guess if I were to describe this movie to someone, I would say it's Honey, I Shrunk the Kids meets My Girl meets Home Alone meets 101 Dalmatians and on and on and on and on. I mean, they're, they, it's sort of like they took they're just like making a stew of movies.
0: Yeah, they really are. Yeah. I, I like you everything. mentioned. I like how you mentioned the uh, the telephone game. Um it, it kind of reminds me of of a game that i've uh, that i've played with students before where you know one student grabs a slip of paper and starts the story passes it to the student behind him the student continues that story passes exactly. it to the next student you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah,
1: yeah. D- like it's like that's what they did with the script is that what a mad lib is or is that something different it's like they mad, Ma-
0: the mad lib is mad lib is it's funny it's I- i've heard that um home alone 2 is pretty much Um, the equivalent of Mad Libs where Home Alone 2 pretty much took, took the template and the script for the first one and just changed it. So instead of a house, it's now New York, New York city. Instead of, uh, instead of the, the creepy old man, it's now a creepy old homeless woman with birds on her. You know what I mean?
1: Got (laughs) it. So that's Mad
0: Libs. Well, you, you mentioned Eric Roberts. I wanted to get to there real quick. We get some, Wow, man, we get some uh, interesting cameos that pop up in here. Eric Roberts, like you said, um, shows up as the CEO of Pet Tech, who joins his employees on this, uh, on this retreat, proving once again that uh, Eric Roberts will show up for anything as long as the, uh, <laughs> as long as the money's right. Um, I, know you, I, know I know you're a fan like, of Danny what, what Trejo, money? but Danny Trejo the same as well. I think if oh, there's I a know. check with enough zeros like
1: exactly but but that's what I'm saying the cast of this would make you think that it had a bigger budget
0: well and you know? I'm I'm convinced that when Eric Roberts showed up on set I'm convinced that he ad-libbed a good portion of this because he gets two lines of dialogue in this film that I admit are kind of funny but I'm convinced were ad-libbed okay so there's one scene where he uh, shouts Okay, let's get drunk. And I'm I'm almost for certain that that was uh, that that was ad-lib. Yeah,
1: I mean maybe that was his deal. He's like, I'll show up for a half a day, and I'm gonna do whatever I want, and that's the deal. Yeah, you know.
0: And there there is another scene. Okay, and I'm again I'm convinced that this is Mad lubing. But there's a scene where they're all playing board games for whatever reason. I did not understand this part either. This is this is that that script element that I think was written by, yes. by one of the students that was thrown into the stew. But they're all playing board games for whatever reason. And Dolph is like ultra competitive. He's wearing a bandana and he's you know, he's just uh, you know, being competitive about playing like kid games, like I think that was one of the games was Mousetrap. And then so mm. Eric Roberts, as yeah. they're doing this. He pokes his head in and he goes, this is so stupid. And you're kind of thinking to yourself, yes, Eric Roberts, is it, it is, isn't it? But you got paid. <laughs> for
1: this. Yeah, it was It was just, I mean, the fact that there were so many, I mean, we didn't need to, I mean, we didn't need the CEO at all. We didn't nope. need the Keith David character, the, the bartender.
0: Whose the, name That was is, another scene. Yeah, well, the sorry to interrupt bartender, you, but yeah.
1: His name is the Wise
0: Bartender. They didn't even give him a name. <laughs> you, did,
1: you did a great job.
0: What can you tell us about making this film? Um,
1: I had a job, and therein was some fun. But because I get, you know, because I get to be sort of the voice of reason, and um, so there's a there's there's a there's a is a pivotal point which my character turns the plot and that I love that because it's it's an important message about home and family and uh, and holidays it's I mean it's
0: Christmas so are you saying in, in uh, real life you're not always the voice of reason or in real life <laughs> are you kidding I try But I'm really not always the voice of this.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, that scene was completely unnecessary as well. No. I mean, why did they... Because they had to pay all these people. It seems like... I'm just baffled by... I mean, in Malcolm McDowell, while I'm not super familiar with him, a British... He's, like, been in some, like, really legit movies, too. I mean, so... I don't know. It, I'm just baffled by the cast being so large and so familiar to us with a small budget. I don't get it. I need someone to explain that to me. Can you explain this to me?
0: <laughs> I, I don't have the answer for that. I honestly, I'd like to think that, that, you know, I, I feel like, okay, Dolph, while he is known, while he is known for being an action guy, um, I think like many actors, they look at new roles and think to themselves, wow, like, I haven't done this before. This could be fun. And I think that's what all actors like to do. They all like to kind of stretch themselves and try something new. So I'd like to think that when this script came across Mr. Blundgren's desk, um, he he looked at it and he thought to himself, well, you know, this is something new. Like this is something that I could have fun with. And he is, he is having fun. I mean, I will say right now, um, my favorite scene, my absolute favorite scene in this movie. And I feel like if anybody who's curious about this movie, I feel like, They should just watch this one scene and then you'll get, you'll get enough. Okay. But it's the dinner scene at the ski lodge. Okay. This particular Mm -hmm. scene, I don't know how you felt about it, but this was, this was Dolph's moment here. I mean, he is dominating this scene. Okay. It's basically, they're all sitting down at the, uh, at the table at the ski lodge. Okay. And the CEO bill comes in. This is Eric Roberts here. And Dolph is sucking up to him. He, he drew he painted a painting of him and he purposely, you know, makes everybody move down so that he can sit next to, next to bill. And I mean, this scene is, I mean, I, I would almost go as far as saying it's magic because I've never seen Dolph act this goofy before, but in this, in this particular moment here, he is belittling everyone else at the table. Okay, while he's sucking up to Eric Roberts. And he gets he gets a moment, actually my laugh out loud moment of the movie was he trips, I don't know if you remember this or not, but he oh, trips yeah. one of the employees. And then in a awesome uh delivery, he he just states to the guy, he goes, Come on, man, get up. You're goddamn <laughs> embarrassing. And just the way <laughs> just, just the way Dolph delivered that line, that right there was a moment where I was kind of like, Okay, this it doesn't get a pass, but I do like these this five minutes, here. yeah,
1: I mean, there there are good things. Like I said, this it wasn't nearly as um I was expecting it to be way worse. And uh you know, I will say, you know, from Dolph's perspective, like you said, if this comes across his his desk, then the premise seems interesting. The name alone pups alone. It's like a dog's version of Home alone. and it's a, you know, a kid's, you know, a comedy. And at that time, you know, there were, There were um, a lot of these action stars at that time were kind of dipping their toe in like doing kid movies like The Rock was doing a bunch of, you know, Disney-esque comedy movies with kids. And um, there are probably plenty of others. And oh, like Kindergarten Cop is probably one of my favorite Arnold movies. And so, Mm -hmm. he, you know, he's like, well, I don't you know, I can see this being uh, a big draw for him. But um, I think there was a lot of potential with it and I you know it just went awry in, a, in several places and um, you know I don't know I don't know much about movie making you know I don't know how this came the, the wheels came off of this bus somehow <laughs> that's
0: that's an excellent metaphor there yeah I mean the, the wheels <laughs> came off the bus and they never got put back on correctly no did they? Um, well I just wanted to look real quick um, talk about the final moments of the film with you first of all so the final uh, the final scenes of this film, okay, in the final act, this is after the the thieves, you know, get um, get humiliated by all of the animals. D- Dolph, uh, so the Victor character and everybody meets back up at uh, at Robert's home, and um, Dolph has a gun pointed at a dog's head, way longer than needed to be comfortable for a family film. Oh. I felt I thought that yeah. was kind of. Kind of weird.
1: (laughs) Well, that's the moment that I kept thinking in my head, like, this is the moment the bulldog should come in and save the day. But Mm -hmm. he doesn't. And then, like, yes, a minute later, the people come home. And I'm like, okay.
0: Yeah. Well so the the moment for me okay i I don't know about you but the moment for me where i mean it was it i mean look i mean i think the film went out the window about you know an hour uh leading up to this moment here that we're talking about um so Dolph eventually his his victor character does get arrested for everything that he's done because we haven't talked about it but he's extremely creepy and almost kind of lecherous with some of the uh uh female employees uh on this retreat but um he he does get arrested, but not before he runs after Charlie. So Charlie, okay, the the, the the dog voiced by Jerry O'Connell, he happens to have the translator prototype. And so in what I'm assuming was supposed to be a scene of hilarity, okay, the doll the, the the dog runs through um one of the inventions, which which is a I guess it's a it's a washing machine for dogs. It's a self- um, like basically a machine where I guess a dog is supposed to go through it and it's going to clean and wash that dog. Here is where the budget restraints are pretty evident here because <laughs> it's basically it's basically just one of those kiddie jungle gym tubes. You know what I mean? My kids used to have one. It's one yeah. of those kind that you can collapse yeah. and then, you, right? And so you watch it and, okay, Dolph is crawling through this thing. I don't know about you, but I was watching it. And I'm thinking to myself, like, Dolph could have easily just, walked around it. Okay, no problem. Yeah. And got and met Charlie on the other end. Yet, I guess they're assuming for comedic purposes, he forces him through this thing as well. And you can tell the Dolph is uncomfortable crawling through this thing. I mean, I guess, okay, yeah, is, I, feel, I, su- I feel so stupid right now. I shouldn't even be doing this. But I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, if it was like an industrial type washing machine then I can see a regular, rational thinking human being walking through it. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. 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 I think it was supposed to be, Oh, wouldn't it be so humorous if this big man tries to crawl through this tiny like pet tunnel? Ha ha ha.
0: And it's not,
1: it's not, you can tell
0: that Dolph is uncomfortable. I it's mean, he's blow. sprayed, yeah. he's blow dried. I mean, and it's it's so. I mean, the scene goes on way too long. This is all done before he gets electrocuted. I mean, and again, Dolph is trying here, but man, is it um, it's kind of a chore to watch because it just it doesn't make any sense narratively. And I realize I realize to to you and to all the listeners are probably thinking, well, Sean, there's not much sense uh, uh, finding purpose and uh, and <laughs> purpose in narration behind a movie called Pups Alone, but. I don't think it's too much to be asking for just something simple like that.
1: Yeah. It was overcomplicated. Um, The ending to me was sort of like, it reminded me of like those infomercials that are like, but wait, there's more. It was like, so for me, I was expecting the bulldog to come in and save the day when, when Charlie was cornered, that didn't happen. The people come home, but then the broken prototype ends up working via this magical tunnel thing. Um, and, you know, so then the Ben now is, but wait, now the bulldog comes in, who is, um what's his name? Vinny, uh, voiced by Danny Trejo, is Dolph's Victor's dog. And he sort of like convinces him to be better, you know, and, and it's like, oh, you know, sweet, sweet, sweet. And there's a, I'm like, oh, I, and then I thought, oh, that's a, that's a pro for the movie. That's a, that's better, that's a better place for the bulldog to come in, but it was sort of like a "but wait, there's more" moment, and then it and then it goes on and on. It is the, it's the end, it was like it had four endings, and then there are these cops that come in. They're again too many people. Like there were these two detectives, I guess they were non uniformed policemen that arrest him, and boy, what I mean, what an odd choice for the detectives. Like, I mean, where did they get those dudes from? It's hard to explain to the list. It was like, one of them was like, I was thought like that too. Haired, like what, why, why, why yeah. did they need to be a part of this at all? And because then there's a uniformed policeman escorting him to the police car. Um, <sighs> they, I, it's hard for me. I can't even remember exactly, but I just remember thinking, I mean, it's like, did you just go next door to the laundromat and pick these two guys up? Or I what? think
0: I was okay. wondering the same thing. Yeah one of the one of the detectives is like this. Um, he's like this overweight, doughy guy. Which I mean, look, it's totally fine if that's how someone is. But he has like long, slicked back hair, and he has like he's like unshaven with a bit of a goatee. And it's like, okay, maybe if you were at, looking for like an, a character to play like a mobster or something like that, fine. But I thought the same thing. It was like, man, did they just? go outside and say, Hey, do you want to be in a movie? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I thought the same try, thing.
1: I don't know. It was like somebody involved in this movie was like, I want every character to have this immense backstory and blah, blah, blah. Like I said, I mean, really there is not a single element of this movie that w- didn't feel like it was crammed with too much.
0: And were you like me? Were you a little surprised that it didn't end with that? Um, that animated sequence or whatever. I was convinced. I thought it was just so odd that for the first 15 minutes of this film, it's going to have all of those oh, yeah. various animated um, still sequences. And then I was convinced that it was going to end in the same way to kind of provide a bit of a bookend, but no, instead, have. yeah, it should have. Instead we get this um, close-up of like a CGI snowflake that's falling down. Cause again, it's Christmas. That's fine. But I, I just thought that was, Kind of odd as well. I was kind of like, eh. Back to the lab. Why don't you guys edit this some more? Okay. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. Well, and then it's like the um the love interest, this Holly person who t- Robert. So, so Holly is one of the people who works um at this corporation and, and is the neighbor who has yeah. the identical female version of Charlie Gidget, yeah. voiced by That's- Jennifer Love Hewitt. And so that's where the 101 Dalmatians comes in. It's like, okay, now they're both like happily ever after, literally like a day after they met, like spending Christmas together and like the two dogs and the, and, you know, Holly and Robert together. And I, I, it was just like, of course. Um, Yeah. Again, four endings they had to this movie.
0: Well, okay. So we're at the end. Okay. Again, I, Katie, I got to give you a huge thank you. Thank you so, so much <laughs> for, um, I mean, man, what is it, as I said to you earlier, but you really jumped a grenade. I mean, you, you jumped not even a grenade. I mean, shoot, it was, it was the equivalent of that bomb that, uh, that Rambo dropped in Rambo four. Remember that? That leveled the entire forest. You did yeah. that here for me today. So thank you. Um, <laughs>
1: no, so- no, no, no. Now, granted, this is not my cup of tea, but it that's okay. It's Christmas time. Dolph Lundgren, Danny Trejo, dogs. It's all good. Yeah.
0: So okay, here's the the recommend. So I'm curious. I like to do two recommends. Okay. Oh. And I I could probably guess where you're going to be on one of those recommends, but I like to do two recommends. Okay. One as a um one as a Dolph Lundgren vehicle, and then the other as a film in general. So. Where does this one stand for you? Do you do you, is this one that is uh, that you'd recommend to others um, to watch uh, in in, uh, in preparation for the holiday season?
1: No, well, no. Let me. Here's what I would say about it. Okay. I think that like a um, sweet, innocent elderly like grandmas and maybe like three year olds would like put it on, and you're busy doing something else keep them busy for two hours. But otherwise, no, like I would have never watched this. But this is not my I mean, I, I'm not the um audience for this. But I do feel like it's so silly and all over the place. And there's some familiarity that elderly people and toddlers. That's that's my recommend.
0: Now now what about Lundgren though? I mean, how, I I mean, as someone who is a huge fan of the, of the Rocky movies, I mean, Mm -hmm. did this put him in a, uh, in a new light for you at all?
1: I feel neutral about him because I already (laughs) have a high opinion. I already have a high opinion of Dolph Lundgren anyway. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Um, It, I will say it for me was, it was an experience to see him do something so silly and so, outside of what we ordinarily get from him. So that was a delight. But I'm not even sure if you're a big Dolph Lundgren fan, if I would recommend watching the movie. I mean, I don't know. I would say, look up some of the clips, watch Mm -hmm. some of the clips. You know what I mean? I don't know. Do you feel differently?
0: That's exactly, actually, exactly what I was going to say in so many, in so many words. I honestly think for my recommend, I think if someone can, edit this and package all of Dolph's scenes okay, together, mm-hmm. then I think you certainly have a really strange oddity to watch. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> I tried looking for it. Unfortunately, the the dinner scene is not available on YouTube yet, but I, I encourage if anyone's going to watch it, I think the dinner scene is the uh, yeah. is the standout moment. Um, and that's certainly saying something that's much better than the, uh, the final assault where Dolph is crawling through the tube. I just, yeah, we already talked about that. Um, I think... Dolph's contributions and moments in this film are just... I mean, we already talked about it. They're so off the wall. They're bizarre, but ultimately fun. I think it's everything else in this movie that is ultimately lacking. I mean, it's way too long with scenes that just drag on. We have characters who are just so dumb that it's pointless even watching. And the dogs don't do nearly enough to make it enjoyable on that front. I mean, even my kids yeah even like I said earlier, my, my kids were bored and lost interest after a while because I think um dogs staring at each other with silly voices is funny for only so long so I will say, if the idea of seeing Ivan Drago wearing a Christmas sweater with curlers in his hair yes um, and and him him doing things that is completely subverting your um, typical expectations of what um, Dolph can do to a whole other level. I think if that interests you, then I think it is worth watching for his scenes and his scenes alone. Otherwise, I mean, I've never seen nor have I been a big fan of uh, those Hallmark Christmas movies. But as far as I'm concerned, I think this can be tossed aside with all of those other films. However, those films are huge business. Okay. So there is a market for them. I am, I am not within that market. It doesn't sound like you are either, but those are, those are a huge business and it seems like every year at least two dozen are, are released. So, I mean, maybe that's why Saban films picked this one up and they gave it that small little premiere.
1: Yeah, that's possible. I I agree with your assessment. Um, You said it very well and succinctly. Um, I do have to give Dolph credit for allowing himself to be seen um in in such an unflattering light. I mean, it was for comedy's sake, but I feel like a lot of uh similar like I can't picture Jean-Claude Van Damme doing that. You know what I mean? Like allowing himself to you know be the butt of jokes and wear curlers in his hair and silly outfits and uh you know, I I, I do have to give him credit for putting his ego aside. And, um, you know, branching out. And it is too bad that the rest of the movie didn't live up to what he was probably hoping it would be.
0: No, you brought up an excellent point. I couldn't imagine Jean-Claude Van Damme doing this. I couldn't imagine um, Steven Seagal doing this. You know, no. know what I mean? Any, any of those other guys. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I think um, that's an excellent way of putting it. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Well, um, you know, this one's crossed off the list. I, uh, <laughs> you know, done deal. I watched the Christmas movie this season.
0: Well, before I let you go, um, I'd like you to, uh, uh, give a shout out. Is there anything that, uh, that you're working on or, uh, any podcasts, any movies that you've seen, anything that you'd like to, uh, to give a shout out to?
1: Oh, goodness. Um, I'd recently, uh, covered Ray Donovan. There was a Thanksgiving episode on, um, the Jacked Up Review podcast, um. So that was fun. There were uh. There was a panel of four of us that covered that series. So if anyone is a fan of that, check out uh, the Jacked Up Review Show podcast, and there's a Thanksgiving episode on Ray Donovan. Otherwise, my my ordinary um delightful voice can be seen and heard with the one more round podcast it's a rocky series podcast obviously and we are on season two now so each each movie is a season um so we recently finished up with the the original rocky and um, we're just a couple episodes in on rocky two so check us out we're on the last of the action heroes podcast network um and i'm lucky to join ryan Robalkin and kyle peterson on that show
0: well i really do appreciate it thank you so much for uh for, uh, you know, joining me for this one. Like I said, I know it wasn't, uh, at the top of your list, but, um, I had a really good time chatting it with you. So, so thank you. And, um, I, I do hope you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And I also hope that you, um, are able to check out some, uh, some other films, preferably ones with uh, Mr. Lundgren that are better than this one because they're out there. Okay. They're out there, but, uh, but thank you again.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me and you have a Merry Christmas too.
0: All right, To everyone out there who is listening, please feel free to rate and review the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you go to subscribe. We always appreciate the reviews. And have a Merry Christmas, and we'll see you all next time on I Must Break This Podcast.